we're not fucking around. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no whispering, I believe. There is no whispering. Yeah. Um, and welcome back to Refried Reviews, everybody. I'm John. I'm JP. And uh, yeah, we, uh, as you might have heard last time, and you've probably already figured out, um, <laughs> we watched Battle Royale. Yeah. And it's just a blast. <laughs> like, it's just so much fun. God. Did you watch the director's cut? And or do you have any idea what's different or anything? No, I watched the one on Netflix. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, it's readily available on Netflix as well as Battle Royale 2, which I have no experience with. Yeah, same um, here. I've heard Battle Royale 2 sucks real hard. Yeah. Um, might be the director of Battle Royale 1 also directed 2, but he died during production. Yeah, that's, that's such a Japanese story where the, <laughs> the guy chose to basically get as far as he could with the movie and hand it off to his son as opposed to cancer oh, is treatments. What, is that what happened? That's what I heard. Oh, wow. So he had cancer and he was like, fuck it. I'm going to finish. like, if I'm doing chemo, I'm not doing Battle Royale 2 was essentially what oh it sounded like. God, no, but dude, if you survive, can- all right, Japan, <laughs> God. I don't I don't know all the details, but I do know that he did forego treatments to get as far as he could. I there is so much like cultural Japanese weirdness wrapped up in this movie. And I don't mean to be too much of like a, a, a cultural chauvinist. Like I'm not trying to be imperialistic about it. And I get that they're just their culture is just different from ours because that's how cultures work. And therefore wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe they wouldn't have had to kill all those kids <laughs> if they had just gotten down with the McWorld. It's <laughs> <laughs> my first hint that something was wrong. It's when they killed all the kids. <laughs> so, uh, for those of you, well, if you haven't seen it, you're 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 listening to the wrong kind of podcast. Yeah, um, this will be a weird discussion if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about the premise, and then we're probably just going to skip around because this is like. It's one of the things that struck me about the movie is that it's much more concerned with plot than it is story. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, this is not a character-driven picture. Right. Um, this is a plot-heavy, dark comedy. And I do contend that <laughs> Battle Royale is a comedy. You're supposed to laugh through this. Sure. You know, like, it's it's ridiculous. Yes. It's, <laughs> the whole thing is just fucking bonkers. Well, I mean, I also have to say, not not to jump too, too much into the plot immediately, but sort of this Battle Royale act, like... It doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. So, I wrote that down. Yeah, <laughs> like, so if you're not taking it as a comedy, it doesn't feel like they tried that hard. Yeah, like what? at least... Okay, so th- so you can't talk about Battle Royale, unfortunately, without talking about The Hunger Games, yeah. um, which is the sanitized big studio version of this, basically. Yeah, which I had never seen, but I, I did watch uh, a few weeks ago because oh, okay. I knew we were going to record this, yeah. and, and we'd probably so, be talking so about it. Real, real five-minute version, what'd you think of The Hunger Games? The Hunger Games? Uh, I mean, I guess I should say I saw Battle Royale, like the first screening in the u.s essentially so i've i've been familiar with it for a long at time family uh it was at a cinematech at the oh, time okay yeah, yeah at the egyptian theater and um so the i had you know long-standing exposure to this movie i yeah. knew what it was and so i had the sort of prerequisite movie snob fuck this movie when you hear about the concept of yeah. hunger games um and why i didn't feel the need to really see it immediately but um i'll say it, it of course had similarities and everything. The I thought the reality TV aspect, yeah, was sort of its its unique dimension and what Hunger Games did kind of a lot differently. Yeah, it is both I think a more rigorous and less entertaining look at this concept. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I thought it was interesting that like this movie just starts Battle Royale starts Hunger Game and 
right off the bat. Oh yeah, like, and but what, we're hunger gaming by minute seven. What really made me laugh about the difference was that this almost seems like snuck in legislation. Like the kids don't even know what this is. Yeah, as opposed to Hunger Games, where like. It's their whole life is knowing yeah. about this. It's thing. bread and circuses. Like mm-hmm. Hunger Games makes a much better justification of why they would do this. <laughs> like I believe, like given the rest of the world that Hunger Games sets up, I believe that 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 they would set up a Hunger Game mm-hmm. here. Like, and we it, just it has that, like the the whole minstrel quality. Yeah, where yeah. Battle Royale doesn't seem to have that as much. No, like it, it, Battle Royale says, like it's just no. There's 15 percent unemployment, and uh, the youth have gone wild, um, as Skid Row would put it. <laughs> And so they started fucking battle royaling them. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it seems like scared old people kind of gone nuts with power is, yeah. is what battle royale is but getting at. But what's the end game here? Like, why, <laughs> do, of all the things you could do, it does seem like to, to keep kids them? in line. I, I don't know that's the way to convince them. Yeah, but I mean, and we know that they publicize it because there's the news report at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. showing the previous winner, the girl with the smile on her face, who right. I love. Um <laughs> So, like, there, uh, it's my contention that battle royaling is public knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like, the average person on the street knows that there's a battle royale that happens, and like an a, a random class of kids is going to get snatched off the street, and then they're going to get sent to an island where they got a battle royale. Um, so is that like commentary in the political system? <laughs> like it's on the news and the adults kind of voted it in and the kids don't even know what's going on. <laughs> I think I mean it's definitely there's definitely a big like fuck old people <laughs> sort of thing going on here. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I mean there's a lot a lot of themes uh <laughs> which is I, I mean sad but kind of interesting that a an elderly man much closer to the end would think to make this movie. Yeah, like a, this movie was made by a 70-year-old man based on a novel granted. Right, right. Um and uh yeah, it's 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 weird. It's so fucking weird. The weirdness <laughs> is centered for me around Takeshi Kitano, mm-hmm. who plays a character named Kitano. <laughs> yes. Do you know much about Takeshi Kitano? Um, I, I know I've seen him in lots of things. Is he, um, was he the blind swordsman? Uh, Is that Oichi? Yeah. I don't think so. He's, he's a little bit young for that. I thought he played him in like one of the revival movies or something. He might I could be he wrong. He might have. Anyway. I don't know. The main thing he is though in uh-huh. Japan, he's a comedian. Okay. Yeah. Um, here's two things I know about him and why he's so fascinating, especially since he's in this movie. The first thing is, um, he is the guy who created most extreme elimination challenge. Okay. In Japan, it's called Takeshi's Castle. Nice. Yeah. So that's where all that footage of that weird ass show comes from. It's from a show that Takeshi Kitano created. Huh. The second thing of, that's weird about Takeshi Kitano is he. Uh, well, uh, real, the second thing that's weird is that painting at the end. He painted that. Um, <laughs> I was third, wondering where that came from. Yeah, he really did paint that. Um, <laughs> the third thing is that he released a Nintendo game or a Famicom game. Wow. Um, in the '80s, when the Famicom was sweeping Japan, uh, right around when NES was getting big here, called Takeshi's Challenge. Mm-hmm. And in Takeshi's Challenge, it's 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 malicious towards the player. You play as a uh, salaryman um, in Japan. <laughs> uh huh. And I think like the main thrust of the thing is that you you get like a treasure map or something and you have to go through all these weird adventures that are only loosely connected you got to sing karaoke at one point because the <laughs> famicom controller actually had a microphone in it and oh, it okay. also had an accelerometer so there's one boss that you can only beat by putting down the controller and walking away for 30 minutes huh um and then the final boss has the final boss is just a boss and you have to hit him something like 
10,000 times with your like <laughs> one little piddling shot that your guy has. It's a grind. Yeah, it's just a grind. And then at the end, it's just a single, I think it just says game over. <laughs> and then takes you back to the title screen. You're done. Like, it doesn't like you. And he thought it was just funny to make a cruel game to just mock people for having played it. How Penn and Teller-esque. It's very Desert Bus. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that's the kind of guy Takeshi Kitano is. And then he shows up in this, <laughs> mm-hmm. playing just the most resigned, sad sack, Bob Newhart-esque <laughs> school teacher that's ever existed. Uh-huh. And I don't really know what his affiliation with his, is with his military unit. He seems to be running this operation. <laughs> I think he's in charge of him somehow, even though he's a seventh grade teacher. I don't really get that. He was their seventh grade teacher. So of course, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Just, I love at the beginning when uh, the class just, uh, you know, left him the message saying we're leaving, and then he walks out the classroom and that kid stabs him. Yeah, <laughs> and then he just goes to the bathroom and rinses it off, just resignedly. <laughs> He's like a fucking Coen Brothers protagonist. So the the director's cut was eight minutes longer. Yeah. I have no idea the difference. I just looked at the discs that I had and yeah. I figured like how different could it be with eight minutes? So I might as well. And now I'm wondering because there's a lot of weird dream sequences and like the uh, the little girl keeps the knife yeah that that uh, yeah that, that he was happened, stabbed with that happens so, in the theatrical and that that weird dream where they're eating ice cream bars by a river yeah so now that I'm thinking back on it this I'm movie like gets weird guys I'm like what what could have been taken out like it could have been anything <laughs> yeah who the fuck knows maybe I bet it's just like some rando subplots of some kids dying yeah, because probably. that's what most of this movie is. <laughs> is like a series of darkly comic vignettes about how teens should not have access to firearms because their emotions are very heightened. (laughs) Like, just kids making bad decisions. Yeah, and I mean... I guess it's, it, to a degree, it's a little bit like Lord of the Flies, kind of. Yep. Just sort of what the world would be if we were unrestrained. Yeah. It's like, were you smiling at my boyfriend? Except where you can slash your throat. Yeah. God, it's just... (laughs) It's grim. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and Gogo you know, Yubari's in there? Gogo Yubari is in there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as a fitness nut. Then <laughs> says, I always thought you looked cool. <laughs> and that's how she goes out. Like, that's one of my favorite things about the movie is just how shallow these kids are with mm. their fucking dying breaths. <laughs> like, yeah. they suck. These kids suck. <laughs> I was I was impressed with how they really did kind of pick them off one by one. Yeah. Like, I, I couldn't remember that much detail about the individual kids, but when there were like 40 left in the beginning, yeah. we saw a lot of them die. <laughs> it was not like a grenade goes off and we're down to 15 or something. No, no, <laughs> no. It was like, oh, I accidentally poisoned my friend. Now this other person's going to blame everybody and she's going to oozy this lighthouse full of girls. <laughs> Now that was surreal. Yeah, that's my favorite one. Uh-huh. Like, just like a horrible misunderstanding because the quiet girl made a move and <laughs> then killed her friend and then wasn't willing to fess up because she didn't want to get shot and it just ended in like the end of Reservoir Talks. I was going to say, she couldn't even be Mr. Orange. She just stayed silent and then killed herself. Yes. <laughs> Which, you know, good. Uh, she didn't deserve to live. You know, and it's 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 interesting to think about this movie in light of the whole like culture of elder respect that that Japan has. Mm-hmm. Like we were talking about the whole, you know, just sort of fuck old people message in the movie, but like culturally Japan's really against that idea. Like there's a big old respect your elders sort of thing sort of, you know, running through it. Um, aren't they aren't they the country uh, most known for its sort of disproportionately old people? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah low birth rates. <laughs> very yeah, yeah, yeah and uh, and no youth replacing them. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I don't know. I don't. I don't really know. I didn't really like get much in terms of that idea, but mm-hmm. I definitely like think there's something really culturally specific about this movie, and I think that there's a dimension in which it could kind of only be a Japanese film. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. Um, I don't know. I also thought that maybe at the beginning Katano was so resigned because he knew the kids were going to get theirs. Um, but like, correct me if I'm wrong, but like the battle royale happens like two or three years after he was their teacher, right? It seems that way. Yeah. Cause was when he got stabbed, wasn't that before anything had started? Yeah. And there are winners in the current competition of like, oh, I won two years ago. So presumably it's, it's happened at least a few times. Yeah. No, yeah, they've been battle so. royaling for a little while. Right. Yeah. I don't know exactly what the timeline is. I mean, the whole thing's really opaque and hard to figure out. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, in terms of just the mechanics of it. I mean, it doesn't seem like the film's that concerned with that as much as it's concerned with just stylized death dealing. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we we may have even talked about this on the podcast before, like with uh, Akira or something. But I always feel like uh, other cultures seem more comfortable with storytelling where you're just sort of dropped in and have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Where a lot of American movies tend not to do that. And you at least get like an opening crawl or something like yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, we got a little bit of an opening here that was just like, hey, the youth ran wild. So we started a battle royale. Right. <laughs> we're just going to see how that goes. And now we're going to have the most cheery exposition possible. Oh, for... <laughs> God. Anime video girl. <laughs> Favorite part of the movie. Hands fucking down. Yeah. With her little hands here to simulate crying. <laughs> and, oh, God. I had adore her <laughs> oh it was a uh, 2001 that the movie came out is that right um no it, it was like i think it it was made it was denied distribution because of columbine oh I, um, yeah i mean i definitely did not see it as part of a mainstream release it yeah was, it was at the egyptian just as like a one-off yeah i don't think i think it was before 2001 that it was made oh really yeah it was made in like the late 90s hmm. um well, anyway, that my, my point is I, I remember sort of seeing it when no one knew what this was, and it yeah. was a, a very different sort of cultural landscape at the time. Yeah. And even just that as a concept, like the super cheery, goofy uh, character explaining really grim things to you, like, yeah. that was so off the charts at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess we do oh, get wow. that more now, Like, mm-hmm. but it's a Battle Royale thing. I guess there's a lot more like computer interface jokes yeah. to be had now with with her and things like that yeah. sort of the idea of the the snarky non uh oh the idea that like a big monolithic institution like the government has enacted some really draconian policies but is trying to put a nice face on it <laughs> yeah you know yeah yeah oh yeah it's 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 so so good um <laughs> and then and then right after that happens you know she she explains the exploding necklaces yeah which there's always going to be exploding necklaces in a movie like this <laughs> um and the movie, it understands something important, which is that if you're going to talk about exploding necklaces, you damn well better see one. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, the thing that interests me about the exploding necklace, and it tells you at the beginning what kind of movie this is going to be, because a different kind of movie would have told you about the exploding necklaces and then used that to create a set piece at about minute 45 or like right. an hour you in. You show the gun in the first act. Yeah. And you don't fire it at the three-minute mark. No. <laughs> this movie tells you about exploding necklaces and has one go off fucking immediately. <laughs> like... And not even for any, like, oh, this kid, like, tripped a thing. Just Katano decides to blow up a kid. The <laughs> I know what you're wondering. Him. Yeah. And here you go. <laughs> yeah. Like, this movie is not about holding things back for maximum impact. It's a movie about maximum mayhem the maximum amount of time. <laughs> and, like, it's interesting because that, that sort of 
feeds into the overall style of the film. If I can just talk about kind of how it's shot and everything for a second, because it's mm-hmm. straight up shot like an action movie. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't wink for a second. <laughs> and if this were made by somebody different, like they would shoot it Edgar Wright style, like a comedy. Mm-hmm. Like I could see that version of this movie happening. That's like, hey, this sure is wacky and dark and crazy, <laughs> you know, like a, a Shaun of the Dead version of this movie. And this is so not the Shaun of the Dead version of this movie. Well, even even something like Hunger Games, like there's the lead up, there's some degree of training and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, where the battle royale method is like, you just heard this thing existed, and you might be thrown a duffel bag, walk out the front, and get an arrow through the neck. Yeah, like you're you're just in it immediately. <laughs> yeah, and in Hunger Games, they have all those like they they take all this time to like build up a relationship and have people nobly sacrifice themselves for each other. Like that's part of what makes this movie so fucking funny <laughs> is that these people just die for no reason. Right. <laughs> that's one of the more evil things I've said on the podcast. <laughs> but I stand by it. Like, I mean, it's not not funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you you laughed, right? Sure. Yeah. Really? I, I mean, uh, I've seen this movie like four or five times. Yeah. It's not like yeah. I stumbled into it. No, it's true. It's true. <laughs> I mean, it's refried reviews, man. Um, but yeah, I, I. So in terms of in terms of the rules, yeah. um, I had forgotten about like the danger zone thing. I think that's pretty funny. What 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 thing? The danger zone. What's that? <laughs> or sort of Set. when that the what thing? <sighs> <laughs> Don't make me do this. <laughs> danger zone. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, but sort of making you stay mobile, I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there were aspects of that in Hunger Games, weren't there? Yeah, and uh, in there, they're just like the environmental hazards and stuff. Mm-hmm. And in uh, in the second Hunger Games, the there's there's more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea is that the game master who builds the fucking Hunger Dome or whatever, <laughs> um, he builds in a whole bunch of crazy ass things mm-hmm. that might just attack you. Um, like the, the, the B things from the first one. Um, I actually did see the second one. I, oh, you did? I wasn't paying that much attention to it, but I did oh, okay. watch it. <laughs> yeah. The second one has some evil fog. Yes. Um, yes. shitty fog. PETA is my favorite. Like, <laughs> I love the gender equality that he is the girlfriend. Like, can I not leave you alone for a second? Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he, he keeps stum. He keeps getting into crazy scrapes. He's a good damsel. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's pretty. Um, okay. I, so I the, him and make him feel safe. <laughs> so I, I like keeping them on the move. I thought that's interesting. And the other, of course, super relevant thing is the fact that there can only be one winner. Yeah. You are not fighting to just survive. You have to be the last survivor. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's important. And if there isn't just one winner at the end of three days, everyone's head blows up. <laughs> yes. We. Yeah. It's not like sudden death where they gather you. It's you have three days to get it done. Yeah. Um, or you're all going to die. <laughs> so so better that than nothing. It's it is it is just thrown in and needlessly cruel. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Like, and there's so many, like, it's funny because a lot of what I want to talk about of this movie happens in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> like, like in what universe is Takeshi Kitano a comedian? Like, he's just stone-faced the whole time. <laughs> I found it really difficult to figure out his performance and, like, mm-hmm. what he was going for. Like, what did you get from him? Well, it, it was interesting how he seemed like both the... Um... Uh, almost like the emotional side and the comic relief sort of in alternating ways where like he does sort of represent, you know, he got stabbed as a teacher. Like that's a sad thing. And he's sort of the, 
the disillusionment and the idea that like you can't relate to kids you just have to pen them in and like yeah it, it's sort of a sad point of view from a broken person but also he's the guy who like when the computer virus is going on that just like walks over to the fuse box like he's it's it's weird that he occupies both roles what does he do the with movie. the fuse box i think i'm gonna miss that like part. everyone is freaking out about the they're being hacked and stuff and he basically just walks out and does the equivalent of pulling out the power Oh, I could totally miss that. I, maybe that's a director's cut thing. That might be a director's yeah. cut thing. Because, yeah, he just, like, they're just getting hacked. And then at one point, again, they're not. Oh, like, really? Yeah. So. Yeah, he, he just sort of, everyone is is panicked. And he just sort of very calmly stands up and is uh, irritated that everyone is is going nuts. He's a bit of just an honorary rock. Right. Like, <laughs> like And he's, he's also in one of my favorite cuts in the whole thing, which also just tells you how cruel the universe that they're in is. Mm-hmm. When at the beginning... Um, when Noriko was asking if Shuya um, ever tasted those cookies, and then it just cuts to Katano <laughs> eating them. <laughs> like, that, yeah, that is a very like camp counselor teen movie kind of joke too. Yeah, to throw in there. But it also is about like what the the theme, one of the themes of the movie, which is like you know, no matter what nice things these kids do for each other, grown ups are going to force them to be the most base, cruel versions of themselves. Right. Like that's. That seems to be, you know, one of the things the key, the thing keeps pointing at. Like, I mean, you could argue that they're trying to say that the reason the kids got so fucked up in the first place is that grown-ups fucked them up. I mean, there's the whole thing with Shuya's dad killing himself mm-hmm. and then having his pants down when he hung himself and that banner that says, go Shuya, go for it, <laughs> yeah. you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> After an awkward dinner yeah. that night, we find out. Yeah. God, that was... And the... Uh... Talking of uh, fucking up kids on purpose, how about yeah. uh, wheeling in their their battered, murdered teacher? Good God, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's just so twisted. Yeah, and just arbitrary. Yeah, and I mean, the maybe idea that's that, why like, the movie doesn't give you much is just like it wants you to feel like the kids feel. Yeah, and it, it's funny that as as you're saying, like telling the kids that they're monsters, and then like these are the strategies that the grown ups are using. Yeah, yeah. Like we'll just wheel in the corpse and freak them out a bit. Yeah, <laughs> and also like as far as this being the program that they've instituted, like that the grown ups have instituted, isn't the end game of this just to whittle out all but the most sociopathic evil kids? Like that's who's going to win your battle royale is like the really fucked up ones. You know, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what the takeaway is supposed to be. Yeah, for the kids. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's, it's arbitrary. It's it's <laughs> arbitrary and needless. And I think that like the more I talk about it right now, the more I'm like, oh yeah, it's, you're just supposed to feel like the kids feel. Mm-hmm. Like none of this makes any sense. I don't know why you're doing it, and I hate you for it. Right. You know, and you're forcing me to be less than the best version of myself um, because you put a gun in my hand. And I'm having normal teenage thoughts right now, and everything exists in a really heightened reality because mm. we're all armed. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, God. God, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> also, did you scream when Hiroki stabbed that guy in the dick? Uh, yeah, I, I certainly crossed my legs, if nothing I else. Audibly <laughs> yelped alone in my apartment. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of um, like Shaw Brothers movies with a friend of mine. Oh yeah, and, and there's a lot of that. Really, there's a lot of dick stabbing and like people <laughs> coming down onto spears movie. and then blood running down the bottom of their tunic, like ah, kind of brutal ooh. stuff. Yeah, so that I, I don't think I was as shocked as I probably would have been if yeah. not having seen that that kind of stuff recently. Yeah, I need to watch some Shaw Brothers. I've never <laughs> seen any. Yeah, uh, yeah, I. I, I, I I had a weird experience. Like I, I didn't settle on the movie being a comedy probably until about like, uh, I don't know, 
probably around the time of the lighthouse with all the cute girls shooting each other. <laughs> Before that, I just kept writing like, is this supposed to be ridiculous? As ridiculous as it is, mm-hmm. like I think it's. I don't know if it was when. Uh, like, I actually wrote down here, you look really cool, Hiroki, as opera begins. And then my next <laughs> note is, we're supposed to think these kids are all little shits, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm with you. That's a comedy, certainly. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I was really never that able to figure it out. Um, <laughs> I like when he... Uh... When he's informing all the kids, he's like, we've notified your parents. Yeah. Oh, well, that's big of you. Thanks. <laughs> oh, I totally missed that. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, so, yes, I, comedy. I, I actually have it in my notes. The Oki's death is when I 100% got that this is a comedy. And it's weird because I watched this movie like two hours ago. I forget who Oki is. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't remember which one Oki yeah. is. Um, it was before the uh, dick stab, though, uh-huh. um, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because the movie's got one main trick. I mean, basically, like, the reason we're kind of talking around the plot and everything is because the movie's just got one main trick. It's a good trick, mm-hmm. but it's got one trick. And the trick is, show what happens in normal teenage situations when you add a dollop of murder. Right. You know, it's 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 all about, like, look, people are cruel. If you gave them the chance, they would just off each other <laughs> because they can't come to agreement on anything once you've heightened the situation a ton by putting automatic weapons in everyone's hands. Right. Or sometimes binoculars. And like watch the watch teenage hormones take hold as like the unrequited crush boy goes from pathetic to come on, come on to maybe I'll force myself on you. Yeah. <laughs> God damn. Yeah. And then he gets stabbed in the dick. Yeah. Um and he deserved it. Yeah. He should have gotten stabbed in the dick. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's what happens. Of all the kids in that movie, probably the most. <laughs> yeah, but he's not the only kid that got stabbed in the dick. Yeah, that's um, fair. There was that wide shot of, uh, what's her name, the, the bitch girl, who I kind of rooted for for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the one, and I love that she was like one of the big bads, like clearly like head cheerleader chick, uh-huh. who was just like, I'm fucking taking this shit over. Was she the one that said, come at me? <laughs> No, that was that was Hiroki. Uh, um, that was, was one awesome. of my favorite things, just seeing the subtitles of that. Bro, come at me, bro. Um, yeah, no, she was the one they were talking about all the people who had died that day, and then it cut to this wide shot of her like getting up and like buttoning up her blouse in front of like these two naked dudes with mutilated genitals. <laughs> Which I, I think tells remember. a story. Yeah, like I mean, I think we're to imply that she like she like tried to get those kids into a threesome, and then once they were naked, she cut their dicks off. Uh, I don't know of another way to interpret that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. It's 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 a shame, and and it 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 like red herrings so many different things. Like there's mm-hmm. that whole subplot with the hackers. You're right, right. Who I totally rooted for. Uh-huh. Like, when I did the math and realized that the only seven left were, like, crazy anime guy with the Uzi and the, <laughs> the, the, the three hackers. I called him the Psycho three. Ringer. The Psycho Ringer? <laughs> yeah. I might need to start a band or something with a name uh, like that's that. That's pretty fantastic. <laughs> now, he was totally an anime character, and I got something to say about that guy, um, specifically how he goes out. But they have this whole subplot of them, like, gathering fertilizer to make a big-ass bomb, and they're like, we're going to run this truck into the school. It's going to be great. It sounds like a good plan. Mm-hmm. And then Psycho Ringer just shows up, <laughs> and that's the end of the plan. Like, yeah. it just nothing happens. It. I, I like that he also did the... Um the necessary archetype scene at the beginning of all the kids like taunting him and well, there's like five kids around him and then he just you know grabs the uzi and takes them oh, all yeah, out i'm yeah, like yeah 
Oh, yeah, teenagers. Yeah. That'd be nice if you could do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it It also shows the folly of just not shooting somebody. When, sure. Like, they're clearly a <laughs> ringer. Like, look at him. He's dressed like Spike from Cowboy Bebop. Like, yeah, that, that, that is that definitely guy. the closest character to fiction I can think of. Yeah, or maybe it's like one of the dudes from Bleach or something. I don't know. I've never watched Bleach before. It's I'm a, not sure what that anime. is. I think it's there's. I think there's swords in it. I don't know. Ah, uh, I, I, oh, I, that one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know the swordy one. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, then he uh, then then he pops back up. Everything's on fire, and it just goes full anime for a minute, <laughs> and it's fucking awesome. Yeah, you the know, ringer fight, ringer fight, <laughs> shotgun versus Uzi. But why were Psycho Ringers eyes? fucking whited out and he was crying black ink did you notice that hey, definitely they were doing some some nutty makeup stuff toward the end <laughs> yeah like no when he when he emerges from the fire he's wearing white contact lenses his eyes are whited out and he's got black streaks like he's been crying oil or something huh and did like so did his pupils run down his face like <laughs> yeah i don't know what are we supposed to believe <laughs> that that explosion did to him was this a like a novel or a manga that it was based on? It was based on a novel that was later also a manga. I see. Yeah, because I, mean, I, I could see that being like a Sin City style. Like, let's do the exact frame. Yeah, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I mean, maybe we're supposed to believe that like the explosion blinded him. I mean, the explosion right, right. clearly did this to him, mm -hmm. and I guess it did blind him. But like, that's not how people go blind. Generally, <laughs> they don't. Well, I mean, their pupils are holes, first of all. Yeah. So them kind of running down, I don't, I don't know how that works. But I, I, I know what pupils are. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But, uh -huh. but yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to make sense of a world that doesn't make any sense. Sure. And it, this world does not make any sense. I, we uh, can agree on that, surely. Was the, was the collar explosion before the knife to the forehead in the opening scene? Knife to the forehead was first. Okay, because yeah. I, I was thinking that it might the movie may have been bookended by jugular explosions, <laughs> but I guess it was one off. No, it was it, it was one off. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was kind of bookended by jugular explosions. I would argue that you need that knife first. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You got to have that knife. Oh, I mean, in that's there. that's worth it. And yeah. also, our discussion of whether it's a comedy. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> if someone doesn't think that's funny, there's clearly something wrong with them, right? <laughs> you mean when that schoolgirl gets knifed in the forehead for talking back, <laughs> whispering? That's right. She was whispering. He had already said no whispering. It was a whole thing. <laughs> and that's not needlessly cruel. Uh, I love it so much. I love it so so much. <laughs> And then after after Psycho Ringer dies, and and I because I I'm sorry I, we have to talk about the last 15 minutes of this movie because mm -hmm. it just gets fucking nutso, <laughs> like so much crazier than before. Uh -huh. Like the the movie up until then has set up just a, an an internal reality of sorts. Like okay, there's a battle royale. We don't really know how Katano got in with all these people. <laughs> he appears to be not really running it, but he also doesn't seem to have any superiors. Um, right, like he's just kind of napping through most of it, and <laughs> like, then making like nobody wanted to really deal with this program after it was signed into law. Yeah, no, it's it's and he volunteered. <laughs> I th I mean, he pretty clearly volunteered. Yeah, <laughs> and I would contend that he volunteered the class. Like he says, it was a random selection. I mm -hmm. don't believe that. Do you? <laughs> I, it seems awfully coincidental. <laughs> Yeah, I maybe there's maybe there's like a write-in program, like you submit your class to get battle royale, and then they pick out of a hat. <laughs> like, it's like one of those Nickelodeon contests. Yeah, you know, like you get to you know have the shopping spree through Toys R Us, or you get battle royale. <laughs> oh. 
I mean, the, the fact... Nick takes over your school! Have an Uzi! <laughs> the fact that he seems to be an important figure in all this, and it was that class that knifed him, it almost seems to me like he's been honing this competition for that class. For personal revenge? Yeah. <laughs> and who's the first kid he kills? Or the second kid he kills? Is uh, the fucking kid that knifed him? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, which he was—he was gonna make sure that kid didn't make it out. Like, <laughs> and then everyone just steps away from him until he explodes. Yes, I, I wrote down. You like, in my notes, I wrote that was a very Ed two hundred nine. Uh... Yes, it was extremely Ed two hundred nine. <laughs> this movie would make an awesome double feature with RoboCop. Actually, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that would be really really cool. And yeah, just for the record, if you ever have a bomb strapped to you. And it's going to go off in 15 seconds, and I don't think I can get it off. I am going to step away from you. And I'd expect you to do the same to me. Right. It's no hard feelings, man. There's no reason for us to both die. Yeah. (laughs) That's just math. Yeah, that does feel a little bit like you're going to explode no matter what, and maybe if you lie in your stomach, people will say nice things about you versus... Yeah. What they'll say about you if you try and run and take other people out. Yeah. Like, if it were me, I would just bear hug Katano. Like, that seems like the move, is just like, (laughs) let's get my neck as close to you as I can, and maybe that'll do something, you know? But no, he just went out like a bitch. (laughs) I also, as they were describing these things, and how they track your every move, and there's a secret microphone built in, I'm looking down at my Fitbit, like, hmm. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) I just watched that, uh, have you been keeping up with Parks and Rec? Uh, No, not lately. Never mind. Um, There's, there's... Uh, there, there's a Parks and Rec episode that's tangentially uh, perhaps relevant. There is not a Battle Royale. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> though I would, I, I really hope that's the series finale. I did see some some headlines on tech blogs that led me to believe they had some sort of, you know, technology-based plot line. Yeah, but, yeah. The, the, this season is largely about a tech company mm. um, called Grizzle. Uh, <laughs> nice. It's good stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, they... Uh, what was I talking about? Um... Oh yeah, the end. So they, so the three, the last three people, they fake that the the beachside betrayal into mm-hmm. the into the secret microphones. Good right. move. That seems like we're still dealing with a plot like with with motivations we can understand. Mm-hmm. And then they hear the gunshots, and uh, Katano's like, "All right, pack it up." And then someone's like, "We should verify the bodies." It's like, "Nah, fuck that. Let's just go." <laughs> so what I want to talk about mm-hmm. is. What Katano is trying to accomplish from this moment forward? Do you think it's... Yeah, I don't know. I I was going to say, do you think it's like almost admitting defeat and just fuck it and do whatever? (laughs) Maybe, because... But why does he have any reason to... Does he he understand that they faked it? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's what that's... Like it's really like this. This has bugged me from the first time I saw this movie. Like I actually remember this sequence from the first time I saw it mm-hmm. going on way way longer. Um, which we didn't even talk about this at the beginning, and we're fucking thirty five minutes in. But <laughs> what did you think of the movie the first time you saw it when you saw it at, at Cinematheque? Um, I mean, I, it was sort of with a group of like minded people. Like the theater knew it was a comedy and was excited to be seeing this batshit crazy thing at the time. Yeah. Um. So I mean the. It was probably what you'd expect. Like, I thought it was pretty great. And I'm like, I should selectively tell people about this wonderful movie I saw. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And thankfully, it's gained a decent amount of cultural notoriety, especially since, you know, Hunger Gaming happened. Yeah. Um, it's good. I don't remember the first time I saw it. I, well, the, no, the first time I saw any of it was in a bar in Austin mm-hmm. that was playing it um, just on their TV. And I was like, oh, I got to come back and watch this. And then I watched <laughs> a little bit later and I, I just was filled with glee the whole damn time. It's just one thing about this movie is it is compulsively entertaining. Mm-hmm. Like 
it's so well paced it you know even the the end part that i remembered from the first time having seen it because this is only the second time i've watched it oh really yeah um is the end part was not as long as i remember it being mm-hmm. um like i remember like a lot of weird shit at the end granted <laughs> there's a weird dream sequence between katano and uh and noriko mm-hmm. where they're walking they're uh by a river and eating ice cream bars and then they say things to each other, but we can't hear anything they say. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the fuck any of that means. <laughs> I think the director's cut had like extended dreams at the end with dialogue. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you, and... Does it explain anything? Because at the end, we find out that he that Katano kind of has a thing for Noriko, which we've had no reason to believe other than the time he shows up in the woods and gives her an umbrella. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the. It was like it was the very last thing, and I wasn't sure if there were supposed to be like deleted scenes or what was going on because it it just played back the three dreams in their entirety, like one after another, like after the as very the ending end of the movie when Shuya and, and Noriko are in the city. I believe so. Yeah, I think it's like the very last thing before the credits is what just the, the three dream sequences. Fuck? And well, um, there's your eight minutes between that and him pulling yeah, the plug. Yeah, seriously. And I, I seem to recall. It was kind of interesting, but also a little on the nose for the themes they had been covering where he was he was sort of saying that like you have to like basically have to be really stern with these kids. I remember it being almost comical of like you have to slap them to keep them in check kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't remember it having any any specific like oh clearly that this means this yeah with the dialogue in there oh the unicorn means he's a replicant right <laughs> <laughs> yeah not that sort of thing and, and the all, all the all the basketball game footage like what basketball was there game no footage? basketball game footage in the one you watched no they must have exchanged some stuff because it sounds like this there are some yeah it, odd where, where was the basketball game footage it for was you? throughout. Like I don't remember any bat. I watched this two hours ago. I feel like I'd have remembered some basketball. <laughs> I'll game have to footage. loan you the director's cut. Yeah. No, my my. It's probably better you watch the theatrical one. I thought it. I thought it was interesting, but kind of out of place. What, what it, was it? I think what it was getting at was it was trying to show a single unified happy moment with this class, kind of before all that. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of the kids are on the court. And then later in the movie, you see flashes of some of the girls are like cheering in the stands. Yeah. So I think it's sort of a unified happy memory between everyone. I'm 99% sure I did not see that this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, man. But it it was funny because I thought it was... It was making an interesting point, but as it was abruptly cutting between like this crazy island and this flashback, it, it felt like there was sort of a prequel Mighty Ducks style sports movie that we never saw. Because oh, it was I just like this happy footage of, of this other of this cast of kids doing something totally different, just yeah. intercut. And not murdering each other. No. <laughs> um, and cooperating. Yeah, I uh I, but, I didn't see any of that. The the ending basically is he uh he has he tells the military to leave. Mm-hmm. He stays. He does some calisthenics on a platform. <laughs> You saw that part, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Which is, uh, the, the, when I first saw it, that was the thing about the ending that always stuck out. And I remember that going on way longer <laughs> than it did. I, did. I only got probably a good 45 seconds of calisthenics on a platform. Uh-huh. I don't know how much you got, but yeah. I don't remember. It was fucking weird. Just him in that little sad stereo, just doing like the most like British holiday camp calisthenics you could imagine. Just the <laughs> saddest, most ineffective, like, okay, throw your arms out. <laughs> fuck you this is this does nothing um 
but yeah, it uh, it's it he, he does that, and then he goes back up into the room, uh, like the command center, and then uh, Kawada shows up, and he's like, "Oh hey, you did it! Congratulations!" Mm-hmm. Um, and then I forget exactly like the I think he and Kawada are just talking about you know. Uh, you know, him being a survivor, and then Shuya and Noriko show up, and they're like, Oh, yeah, we're gonna kill you. And then he unveils the painting, and he's like, You're the only one that's worth surviving, Noriko. You're amazing. You gotta kill me now because everybody hates me. Um, my class hates me. Someone stabbed me. My daughter hates me because we get that phone call in the middle. Right, it's just right. him being like, I'm on a business trip, and his kid <laughs> being like, Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I think he's Bob Newhart. Because uh-huh. um, she could uh, she could smell his breath through the phone. Yeah, like everybody is a dick to this guy. <laughs> and we really like outside of this context, we haven't really been given much of a reason to think he's an asshole in real life. Might be perfectly normal, dude. He might be. <laughs> like you stick me on a murder island and put me in charge of killing a bunch of kids, I'm probably going to act different too. This just flashed to mind, but I might like to intercut. His painting with the the paintings or drawings at the end of Super <laughs> to be like a fractured mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He 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 probably would get along with uh, with the guy from Super. <laughs> oh God, it's but yeah. Then then uh, she then Shuya shoots him and then he shoots them with a squirt gun mm-hmm. and <laughs> he falls down dead. And then he uh, then they're sitting there and they know what to do. The phone rings. And then he gets up, not dead anymore, <laughs> which I wrote, he, oh yeah, so I, I, here, here are my notes throughout all of this. Um, so the army just leaves Katano there. How is he in charge of anything? Why is he doing calisthenics now? <laughs> what the fuck is this guy's deal? He gets up to answer the phone. What the fucking fuck? <laughs> like, uh-huh. why does he, I don't know, he gets up comically just shuffles over like he's hung over uh-huh. answers the phone and i think he just says like oh i'm not gonna be home and it's his daughter calling again and he's just like yeah leave me alone bye <laughs> harping on him yeah and then he says what does he say right before he dies and like goes all slack he's got some little jokey line i forget what it is yeah I can't um remember. but he definitely like makes a joke and then or no he uh he he pulls out another gun and shoots at kawada but kawada shoots him mm-hmm. and then he dies but he's so. Where did the real gun come from? Was it in the couch? Like, was it the squirt gun that changed? What the ah? Like, Those are probably equally likely explanations. Yeah, like I, I'm fucking baffled, man. Like I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, well, I guess. What just, do you make of all this? Well, I mean, just just a real quick aside. It, it's sort of interesting talking about the differences in the director's cut, and you watched it on Netflix, and I have the Blu-ray set. Yeah, like. This this movie was unreleased for a long time. I mean, I, I remember years after I saw it, I bought a shitty bootleg off eBay and then found out that half the subtitles were missing. Yeah, I guess it, it didn't get like a, an official Blu-ray release until like a year or two ago, right? Yeah, so it's just striking me as how surreal it is that like we finally got the, the Blu-ray special edition pretty much because Hunger Games was coming out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just time to coincide with that, so... I'm glad that it's here, and I'm glad we can discuss it, because Jesus. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so his last line is, um, he reaches back into the bag of cookies and says, the last one. Oh, that's right. Cookies sure were good. <laughs> and then he just dies. You know, once again, like, how can it not be a comedy? Like, what would that be if this wasn't a comedy? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I really, really don't know. Um, I, 
<laughs> if I survive, can I go home? Yes, but only if everyone else is dead. <laughs> well, he's, uh, he's a reasonable man of rules. <laughs> Without rules, there's chaos. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's... I don't know, man. I really, really don't know. Um, he's just this sad, lonely man lashing out against the world. And the movie for some reason, isn't really about him until the end when mm-hmm. it's, like, really about him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. It's a weird shift, right? I mean, am I the only guy that felt that? Like, like well, why I mean, are we they... so concerned with this dude all of a sudden? Well, a lot of other characters are dead. <laughs> so, like, I mean, it's kind of hard to make it about anyone else. I guess so, man. <laughs> I guess so. No, but, I mean, it's... <clears throat> Uh, I definitely see what you're saying in terms of most of the movie seems to set up the playground, then plays in the playground, and then kind of it just takes a weird left turn. Yeah. Where it's sort of what do you do when we're out of the game? And the whole movie so far was set up the rules as fast as possible and play it out. Yeah. I guess, yeah, I would contend that, you know, I, I'm not sure. It, it just becomes a much different movie at the end because, like you said, there's just no... It doesn't feel like they really had an end game. Uh-huh. It just gets absurd. Like, it feels almost like Katano got to do a rewrite there. <laughs> like, he's playing himself, basically. He's got the same name and everything. I don't know. But you're right that, like, it would just... It, we, we skip between all these vignettes of, like, two students encounter each other. Um, we set up that they had some sort of relationship before. Usually one of them had a crush on the other. Right. 99% of the time, that's what's going on. <laughs> um, there's a murder. And then we get a flash of who's dead now. <laughs> and then we get back to our main characters for a scene. They advance the plot somehow. And then we go find some randos and watch that for a hot second. And also, it's usually a comical double murder. Yes. Or like they didn't realize the trap or, you know, they have just come to terms with what they've done in term uh, in time to be decapitated by someone else. By the psycho something. ringer, nine times out of ten. Yeah. yeah. Or, uh, or, or he- using, a, using your head as a, a grenade holder. Ah! <laughs> with his bulletproof vest, all he had to do was stay down. Like, that's one of the things is these kids, they're shitty at this game. Right. Like, this is not Hunger Games where kids are, like, trained and everything and, like, they've been put through, like, a rigorous program. Which make the ringer seem a little extra cruel. It's super cruel. <laughs> like, why would they be in there? <laughs> like, clearly the, the aim is to just eliminate a particularly troublesome class of kids. Yeah. Like, which, th- if that's really what you're trying to do with Battle Royale, why are you only doing one a year? <laughs> <laughs> why aren't you doing this more often? Maybe this is just for sweeps, and they have, like, a, a smaller version going on the rest <laughs> of the Where they time. just take the bad kids out, and they're like, all right, Jimbo and, uh, and Nelson. Yeah, you guys have to fight. <laughs> That would be kind of awesome. <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, it's fucking weird, especially at the end. Um, but then they get away, and the implication is that Shuya and Noriko join a terrorist cell or become a terrorist cell. I believe that's what the second movie's about. Yeah, it's yeah. about them uh, just sort of instituting terrorism and then there being another battle royale. Um, so you haven't seen the second one because the second one's on not, Netflix, no. too. Um, I'm gonna watch. I it have at some the set point. that includes both of them, but oh, I've just okay. never heard anything good about it. Yeah, I've heard. I mean, it's it's at 30 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not optimistic. The only cool thing I ever heard was, um, you know, Tarantino was a, sort of a champion of this movie, and was I think part of the the only reason it was ever shown here. You yeah, know, before this recent DVD release, and uh, I think as kind of a favor, he couldn't do it, but at the time they made it. They offered him to play the role, the President of the United States, <laughs> which would have made me probably fifty percent more likely to have seen it. Absolutely, just for that. <laughs> yeah, no, there's there there, and to know that there are parts of the world that will see that and be like, huh, so that's that's what it's like. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, there's, you know, people love to shit on Tarantino's acting, and granted, he's not a great actor, Mm -hmm. but I like him. Like, I'm usually stoked when he shows up in a movie. (laughs) Like, I I like him a lot in Planet Terror, where his junk drips off. Right. (laughs) Um, I I actually don't really mind him in Django Unchained. I know a lot of people hated that. That I have to disagree with. I, like... I felt like I didn't hear dialogue from any other character in that scene because I was just staring at him kind of in disbelief. Yeah, I don't really know why he played himself as an Australian. (laughs) That seems like an odd choice, but I don't I didn't mind it like it. You know, that that movie has some third act problems and he's not the worst one. I mean, I'll just say I was looking forward to Michael Parks and sort of the only, you know, speechifying that he does, I wasn't even paying attention. <laughs> yeah. And I think that kind of annoyed me a little bit. Yeah, that's true. He does kind of steal the scene from Michael Parks with his <laughs> with his weird-ass accent. So, I mean, uh, again, it's it's his movie. He can do whatever he wants, and I've liked all his movies. But in yeah. terms of, I, I can't defend him putting himself in Django Unchained. I just thought he was clearly the worst thing in it. He was definitely the worst <laughs> thing in it. I just didn't... I still find like there's there's just there's like a kitschy appeal to him showing up, and sure. I'm like, oh, all right, we're gonna do something stupid for a minute, <laughs> and I can turn off a certain part of my brain because it's about to get goofy. Right? Like oh, he's fair. never in any scenes that drip with subtext. He knows to stay out of those. You he's know? gonna end up with um, what was it the uh, like the wooden peg leg in his eye? Yeah, <laughs> that was fucking rad. Yeah, I liked it a whole lot. So yeah, I guess at the end of the day, like if we're supposed to just accept this whole thing at at face value and from a character standpoint, it's just sort of the story of like a sad old man lashing out at a bunch of kids. Yeah. And then we find out at the 11th hour he had a crush on one of them. <laughs> and then he begs her to kill him because he's got nothing to live for and he knows that like he's not worthy of anybody's actual love because of all the things he's done, but he expresses that love. And then I mean, it's kind of sweet in a way. I guess. I'm, maybe I'm just trying to find something in an ending that doesn't make sense. Well, I mean, they definitely throw in enough sort of weird subtext to to, to have a discussion about it. Yeah, like it's it's not a straightforward. You're you're not grasping at straws. Like they certainly put in content there. Yeah, I mean, he he paints that painting. Like, <laughs> God, it just it just gets so arbitrary and weird. Yeah, at the end. I don't really know what to think about it. But anyway, um, I mean, maybe that is just part of the consequence of what do you do when the yeah. game's over? <laughs> like. It it seems like the concept of the game has to be the seed of the idea. Yeah, I, I don't think it was like this. Let's someone tell a desperately story about a sad old man. Yeah, <laughs> wanted to write a book about this teacher who got stabbed and the rest of his adventures. Like, so I think there there probably is a certain amount of work to be done of just like, oh fuck, how do we start and end this? Yeah, <laughs> and we saw I, how they started. It was awesome. Dive in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right that they just didn't quite have an ending. Um, but it's, uh, it's such a great ride that who gives a fuck? Oh like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the movie. It, it feels at the end. I mean, let me know if this is, this falls at all into the kind of thing you're talking about. It feels like maybe it's, it's trying to make some kind of political point, Yeah, but most of the movie doesn't support kind of what it's trying to say. Like yeah. if this was your point, the 90% that I just watched didn't have a lot to do with it. Exactly. So that's it feels kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. And that's why, like, I think, I think the conclusion I'm arriving at just talking it out and, you know, watching it again and everything is like, it's not an entirely successful film. Like mm-hmm. there's enough of it. That's really enjoyable from a popcorn standpoint. And also from the standpoint of like, we're going to make some jokes in a really dark way about something that people don't joke about that often, mm-hmm. which is teenagers killing each other. Like, and, you know, use that for some really interesting, you know, darkly comic social commentary, but, 
as far as like what the movie's trying to say about the interactions between the state and the citizen and adults and kids and especially all this shit at the end about like sort of the stain that the, these kind of actions leave on people I don't think it's successful at that. It's not really coherent, the right. movie. Like, it's not... It's 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 like I said at the beginning. It's plot over story. And then at the end, it tries to be about story, and it just can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. But it was so awesome before that that who gives a shit? <laughs> uh-huh. Like, because in watching it again, like, I really wanted to... And I don't know if you had this experience, but I, I, I really wanted to get something deeper out of it. Because my first reaction when I see something as weird and pointless as the end of this movie is, uh, it can't be bad. I must be dumb. Right. And so watching it again, I was like, I'm really going to try and dig in and like figure out what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think I've come to the conclusion that there is no there there. Like they, that, that you know, anybody who wants to really over-intellectualize this film, I'll be bold and say they might be missing the point. And as as much as um, I think you're probably right that it is a lot of arbitrary stuff going on in there, it's also not impossible that some of it has cultural implications that we, like it's shorthand for something that we don't understand at all. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of instances where, where the kids would say things like, I always thought you were cute. And mm-hmm. like use language like that, and I was like, "Is the, are we really getting the true translation here, right? Or you know what? Because there are a lot of words in Japanese that don't quite have an analog mm-hmm. in in English, and that can make it very difficult. And even like I, again, I have no idea. I'm totally talking out of my ass, but like, what if like old people doing calisthenics is something that like all grandparents do in this particular scenario, and that's that's referencing that, but we don't have any context for spotting. Yeah, some of that. I'm not saying that's the case, but it may also be that we're just missing some of what's being telegraphed. Yeah. Well, it also didn't. That scene in particular is interesting because it doesn't seem like he's just doing calisthenics. Mm-hmm. It seems like he's leading a class that isn't there. Right, right. And you know, maybe this is him like enacting a fantasy of being the leader that he never could be. I mean, does seventh grade teacher mean he taught them everything? I think it might, yeah. So, I mean, he's teaching his imaginary class who's all I th- gone. I, I think mean, that's what's happening yeah. there. Yeah, he's teaching a class of the dead. Hmm. What a fucking weird movie. <laughs> Jesus. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so final thoughts on Battle Royale? Yeah, I mean, I I don't really know what to say in terms of how I interpreted it sort of differently with age or anything like yeah. that that we didn't sort of cover. There there was no major change that I recall. Like, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't not know it was a comedy at the time or anything. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, nothing jumps to mind. What about you? Um, I I you know, if you're, it's a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, watch it for how darkly hilarious it is and how seriously it takes itself while it's being funny and that's really the masterful thing about it that i I think is the best thing about the movie is that at no point did the director succumb to the temptation to shoot it like a comedy Mm -hmm. and it's very deadpan (laughs) yeah and if you want to know what i mean by shoot it like a comedy go watch any edgar wright movie Mm -hmm. like you could have shot it like an edgar wright movie and it wouldn't have been as good nothing against edgar wright um well there's physical comedy and there's comedy that it's funny because like because of the incongruity. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, look look like you just can't help but laugh at teenagers flipping out over what we as adults know are such trivial things uh-huh. and resorting to murder. Like it's funny almost the way Heathers is funny. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. You know, not like Heathers is is funnier and it's it's trying to be funnier. 
Um, I don't know if it's funnier, but well, it's more of a comedy. If you're not trying to make people uh, laugh in an uncomfortable way, like why would you mention that one of the girls checked the other's corpse to see whether she's having hers? Like, <laughs> why would you write that into the script? If you didn't want it to be awkward for everyone watching. <laughs> God, yeah. That's cringy. <laughs> Ooh, and then there's... Yep. That that happened in a movie. It happened in a movie about teenagers. Yeah. Whew. And I mean, the kid gets the pot lid as his weapon. Like, there are very clear jokes throughout this thing. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, the only re- real reaction you can have to the ending is to laugh. Like... Those sure were good cookies. Right. (laughs) It's a good line to go out on Katano. Well done, sir. Well done. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, watch it for the dark comedy, but don't don't expect their the overall message to really cohere into like a point. Like the way like Hunger Games definitely has something on its mind. Mm -hmm. And it's got I mean, it's it's a less entertaining movie than Battle Royale, like by a lot. Sure. But I think it makes those larger thematic points more successfully. Because it's also just more concerned with making them and less concerned with just engineering wacky-ass mayhem. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Battle Royale... Could... I know which one I want to watch again, though. <laughs> um. Like, it could even have commentary about sort of the the upper class being able to manipulate how society performs, essentially because no one's paying attention, or yeah. whatever point it could be. But we have almost no insight yeah. to sort of how the world views this or... So it, it does seem like uh, Hunger Games is a lot more worried about making it a cohesive world. Yeah, absolutely. They, 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 like I said, both more rigorous and less entertaining. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's Battle Royale. Um, you picked this one, right? Uh, I think you picked this one. I did? I couldn't be wrong. Yeah. What did we do before this one? Do you remember? No, I don't. It's been a while since we recorded, everybody. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess you're up. Um, so I recently got... Um, uh, John Wick, which would be fun. I've never seen John Wick. Oh, okay. Well, that I mean, that one you could watch twice pretty quickly, but I, I wouldn't necessarily make you do it. But it's it's No the Fountain. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, still, I'm still annoyed about that. <laughs> <laughs> Who watches The Fountain twice in a week? Uh, yeah. What man? I apologize. <laughs> but uh, I, I recently got Gone Girl. That's one that would be interesting to watch oh, twice, all yeah. things considered. Um, yeah, have you, I saw have that you couple, seen that one once? I saw it. I saw it recently. Yeah, and it's uh, <laughs> that's also. I, I I also would contend that you could argue that that movie's a comedy. Yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> Especially by the end. <laughs> it's just no. This is shitty for everybody. <laughs> I mean, I watched the commentary last night, and, and Fincher seemed pretty amused. <laughs> <laughs> it just it just gets goofy. <laughs> it is true. A lot of the scenes he like his. Pretty much all he has to say is like, "Oh, that's too funny." Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like oh, Ben, ben came up with that, and it made me laugh, so I made him do it. <laughs> <laughs> like the, uh, like that scene with the custard with Neil Patrick Harris, and she's watching the news report, mm-hmm. and she's just eating the custard. And he just takes it away from her. <laughs> <laughs> it is fun watching those scenes with Fincher talking about like, oh, like yeah, he does put that much thought into it. Where like, there's a split second cutaway to him pouring wine. And it's him trying to gain attention away from the TV by making a distracting noise. And her point of view that she's so engulfed in the TV that something as innocuous as wine pouring would cut her attention and annoy her. Yeah. So it's like he's, yeah, when when a simple little tiny cut has two or three meanings, it's because he thought about all of them. Yeah. No, he's he's a very, very, very good filmmaker. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, one of one of everybody's favorites because he's <laughs> fucking great at it. Nah. Um, I actually recently watched Panic Room for the first time. Oh, and, really? Uh, yeah, I uh, really really enjoyed it. Um, it 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 was a fun little Hitchcocky yarn. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that uh, we should find a way for Jared Leto to play Wiley Coyote. Um, based on that movie. Um, That's one I haven't seen in many years, but I feel like would be helped a lot by the lack of expectation. Because mm-hmm. I do feel like at the time, it, a lot of people thought it was kind of a disappointment for reasons that didn't seem entirely fair to me. I mean, it's a lark of a film. Like, it, it felt and, like a popcorn movie to me, and I think a lot of people were like uh, newfound Fincher fans because of Seven and Fight Club. Yeah. Well, the thing that I love about him is and uh, is is how he left for so long and became such a better filmmaker afterwards. I mean, I like Fight Club, I like Seven, I like Panic Room. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like any of those movies as much as I like the movies that came out Zodiac and forward. And mm-hmm. granted, I haven't seen Girl with Dragon Tattoo. Um, that's the only one of his later movies I haven't seen. But I think Zodiac is he's just become such a more restrained filmmaker mm-hmm. since those movies and all the things that like. All the more indulgent touches in those films don't really age that well, um, especially in Fight Club. Mm-hmm. Like Fight Club's great, but it's it's just so into itself that like when you when you watch a movie like Zodiac be so restrained with with how it doles out things and just so it when it does everything more subtly, all those things have more meaning. Mm-hmm. And with Fight Club, everything's turned up to eleven. So it's harder to kind of get through that din. I mean, it's still a very entertaining movie, but you just feel like there's a surer hand at the wheel with Zodiac. You know what I mean? I do remember by the end of the first time I saw Fight Club uh, in a in a theater, it was um, like I, I didn't even really remember the ending. Really? Because like, it was just such an assault, especially at the time, yeah. and not really knowing what to expect or anything. And that works for Fight Club. It totally mm-hmm. does, you know? Um, but it is still just yeah <laughs> at you the whole time. Whereas something, I mean, even Gone Girl like knows to kind of you know when it when it gets crazy, um, it only gets crazy like 